This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. We get the story from controversial media personality and activist Tariq Fatah after Indian police arrest a second suspect in the plot to kill him. And what can we learn from the happiest places on Earth? Explorer and educator Dan Butner shares the lessons from two years of research. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The American Psychological Association is out with its latest stress survey, which finds that nearly two-thirds of Americans stress over the future of their country. That's not surprising since half the population believes this is the worst period ever of American history. The other top stressor is finances, which affects 62%. 61% suffer from work stress and 43% worry about health care. A new survey finds that 85% of Canadians plan to age in place, but few are considering the kind of renovations that would make that possible. It's a collaboration between CARP and Homestars, with 62% of Homestars respondents and 56% of CARP respondents unaware of tax benefits and grants to help subsidize aging-related renovations. A lawyer who married his great-aunt when he was 23 and she was 91 has vowed to fight for a widower's pension after social services rejected his application. Argentinian Maurizio Osola says he will go to the highest court in the land if necessary. He married Yolanda Torres 14 months before she died from sepsis in April last year, claiming her last wish was to marry him. He had moved in with her after his parents separated eight years ago. The claim was apparently denied because neighbors knew nothing of the marriage. Queen Elizabeth and her husband, Prince Philip, will be celebrating their 70th wedding anniversary on November 20th. Insiders say it will be an intimate affair with Prince William and Kate bringing grandchildren Prince George and Princess Charlotte. Princess Anne, Prince Charles, Prince Edward and Prince Andrew will apparently also attend. The big question is whether Prince Harry will be bringing his American actress girlfriend, Meghan Markle, to the special family gathering. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It sounds like something out of a novel. Our listeners will be familiar with controversial writer and broadcaster Tariq Fatah. He is known as a passionate secularist who takes on radical Islam. He started hosting a TV show while on a visit to India. It became a huge hit, and that led to a plot to assassinate him. Indian police arrested a second suspect this week. Tarek talked to me about the whole strange saga. 
I was visiting there researching a book when I was asked by ZTV or Z News uh, to host this show, which would exclusively have only Muslim participants. This way they could never say that, oh, there was a conspiracy by Jews or Hindus to, uh, you know, uh, bring a bad name to Muslims. And so this show started, and uh, I, I was astounded that there was what I thought was just ordinary conversation had never happened in India for the last 70 years. With the, the Islamists there had a veto power on what could be said and not be said. Okay, and so the show was called Fatah's uh, Fatwa. Fatah, yes. So it was a tongue-in-cheek mockery of uh, this. In, in, in India, you would find there's a fatwa against loudspeakers, there's a fatwa against wristwatches, there's a fatwa for everything. Nothing could be talked about. Almost every mullah in India has two or three wives. Nobody ever dare utter those words. And here this was a show in which we asked these people, so why do you need a sex life? One for the village, one for the city. It was like that. And it was shock therapy, not just for Muslims at all. And, and soon there were tens of millions, uh, you know, almost 100 million audience watching this Saturdays and Sundays and then repeating it during the day. And, and once I said, well, why don't Muslim women have the right to love someone? And they just looked at me and said, What? <laughs> I said, the prophet married 45-year-old divorcee when he was only 25. They obviously were in love with each other. So why are you guys marrying 15-year-old girls? You should all be marrying divorcees who are 45. And they couldn't believe I had said that. One of the guys said, I'll slit your throat as soon as we get out from here. And here was a democracy. Uh, freedom of press, freedom of expression, and Muslims are saying, no, we can't talk. Okay, so this show became a huge hit. Yes. You were getting mobbed in the street. <laughs> but by at one school of 12 to 15-year-old boys and girls, I, I, I was astounded that they watched this show. So the show is a huge hit. And, and then starts the problem. An audio tape emerges which someone anonymously sent me from the Gulf Arab states, in which a crime boss sends out a phone message to someone in India saying that if you guys can't get rid of Tariq, then just tell me and I will get him wiped out. I thought it was a joke of some sort, and I handed it over to the cops there, and they didn't say much, but suddenly I realized they requested me not to leave the hotel. For about a two-week period, I was simply either in the hotel or I would go out to the studio and then come back. And I couldn't go anywhere. And that's when I realized there's something serious going on. I was headed to Geneva. There was a UNHCR meeting there, but they said, please tweet that you're going to Bangladesh. So basically they knew something was happening and they wanted me out of there. But uh, once I came back to Toronto, I found them. I think in June, they arrested a ring that had links to ISIS and uh, the, the man was 
uh, given money to assassinate me. And now this happened. I started getting calls midnight, which was uh, early morning over there, that they've arrested someone who's identified, who's acknowledged, um, that they got about $200,000, and um, they wanted to simply assassinate me. How do you feel about that? I, I don't know. I, I seriously, I, I am not someone who gets scared easily, but then I feel that it's really unnatural not to be worried. You know, my wife and daughters are... Do you feel relieved? Are you planning to go back to India? What's I, when I get friends over there to say it's okay, I will. Because obviously there's somebody looking after my interests over there. How is your health? You recently uh, had a recurrence of cancer. How are you doing? I'm, I, I have monthly chemotherapy. I have two more sessions to go through coming up on November 8th. And then again in December, I have to do that. I even have eye surgery scheduled. So by 2018, I'll, I should be fully refurbished. Well, we wish you all the very best. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for talking to us. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Tarek Fatah talking about the plot on his life. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. Coming up, does where you choose to live affect your level of happiness? You might be surprised by the answer. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Humans have been searching for the key to happiness since the dawn of time. But if you've already tried positive thinking, mindfulness, and made your daily gratitude lists, listen up. Best-selling author, researcher, explorer, and educator Dan Butner visited the happiest places on earth, and shared the lessons we can apply to our own lives. Canada as a whole does a very good job. It's within the top 10 in the world, and Canada has many of the right things in place. Easy access to green space, which is important on a national level. Trustworthy government, relatively speaking. A tolerance and trust are more highly correlated with happiness in a nation than GDP does, as long as you're among the first world. The four places that you list as the happiest on Earth are Denmark, Costa Rica, Singapore, and Boulder. They all seem very different from each other. What do they have in common? Academically speaking, happiness is a meaningless term because you can't measure it. But you can measure something called life satisfaction. You can measure your day-to-day emotions, and you can measure sense of purpose. Are you able to use your strengths to do what you do best every day? So for the story for Geographic, we found the place that best illustrates those three kinds of happiness, a city that is very bikeable, a city that has easy access to healthy foods, fruits and vegetables, that's highly correlated with happiness and access to green space. So if you can think of a city that has those qualities, you can be pretty sure it's happier than one that would be more clogged with traffic and just an ocean of junk food. How true are all the old saws, like your health is the most important thing, money can't buy happiness, old sayings like that? Money can buy happiness, but it only buys happiness to the point where you have food, shelter, health care, 
some education and some mobility and the ability to treat yourself once in a while. And after about $75,000 a year, that would be U.S. dollars, more money really does not buy more happiness. And you're much better off focusing your time and effort on getting healthy. Uh, Health and happiness are inextricable. You can't pull them apart. The focusing on your friendships and socializing, the happiest people in the world are socializing five to six hours a day. Wow. How do people find time for that unless does work count? Work counts if you're having a meaningful conversation with somebody you know cares about you. Uh, But a water cooler conversation about some sports game does not count. We now know what correlates most highly with happiness, and it can instruct our behaviors throughout the day. For example, it's dumb to work 10 hours a day to make more than $75,000 if it's costing you good sleep, if it's costing you your health, and if it's costing you good social interaction. So if happiness is your goal, there's now a very clear indication of what we should be doing to reorder our lives. And in my book, I try to describe what exactly those are. What about having a purpose in your life? It's very important. Again, the question that is used to measure purpose is, are you able to use your strengths to do what you do best every day? And at the end of the day, it's a different set of importance when lined up against just daily joys or trying to be satisfied with your life by gaining status. You should have a diversified portfolio, just like you would with a retirement account, of equal measures, purpose, daily pleasure, and life satisfaction. What about stuff? We keep hearing that it's more important or it'll make us happier to spend money on experiences versus stuff. Buying a new thing, depending upon what it is, will give you somewhere between 9 and 14 months of utility, but then we adapt to it and that those new shoes look old or that new gadget becomes worn, whereas an experience gains luster with time. But almost more important than that is financial security, paying down your mortgage, buying insurance, signing up for automatic savings plans. Financial security can last years or decades or a lifetime. Do you have a kind of a short prescription that we could keep in mind? Well, if happiness were a cake recipe... Uh, marrying the right person would be one of the ingredients, uh, having your health, having meaningful work, making enough money so you have food, shelter, and health care. The most important ingredient in that recipe is where you live. And there's actually a brilliant researcher in Canada named John Hollywell who followed about 500,000 immigrants over time and found that when they move from less happy places in the world, like Africa or parts of Asia, and move to Canada, no matter their age or gender or education level, uh, within one year, they started reporting the happiness level of Canadians. John Helliwell also correlates happiness with age. He said we get happier as we get older after kind of uh, bottoming out in uh, early middle age, I guess. Yeah, 45 to 55 tend to be the least happy years. And then as long as you keep your health, happiness will continue to rise actually into your hundreds. (laughs) So most of us have something to look forward to. Okay. Dan Butner, thanks so much. I enjoyed talking to you. 
That was Blue Zones founder Dan Buettner. His latest book is Thrive, Finding Happiness the Blue Zones Way. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, we celebrate one of Canada's best-known singer-songwriters, vocalist, and guitarist. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. It's time for your international arts date book tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. It's the centennial celebration of Leonard Bernstein's birth. The New York Philharmonic is exploring its former music director as a composer, conductor, and public figure. The festival includes Bernstein's musical West Side Story and runs through November 14th. The Frick Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania presents Undressed, a history of fashion in underwear from the 1800s until now. The exhibition was organized by London's Victoria and Albert Museum and features more than 200 objects that chronicle the evolution of undies, from practical garments to their use in fashion and as fashion. To celebrate the 20th anniversary of J.K. Rowling's first Harry Potter book, the British Libraries opened its doors on Harry Potter, A History of Magic. Some 30,000 tickets were snapped up before it opened. And the Pinchuk Arts Centre in Kiev has mounted two exhibitions that explore the period after the 1991 collapse of the Soviet Union. Anonymous Society and Misplaced Touches are designed to generate a living archive of Ukrainian contemporary art from the early 80s to the present. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Book. This weekend, Canada's own Brian Adams is celebrating his 58th birthday. He's not only one of the biggest rock stars to come out of our country, but one of the biggest rock stars anywhere in the world. Adams rose to fame with his 1983 album, Cuts Like a Knife. It was quickly followed up with his 1984 album, Reckless, which produced some of his best-known songs, including Run to You and Summer of 69. In 1991, he released Everything I Do, I Do It For You. It was featured in the film Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and became an enormous success, spending seven consecutive weeks at the top of the Billboard charts and selling more than 15 million copies which makes it one of the top-selling singles of all time. Outside of music, Brian Adams has also had a very successful career as a photographer. His work has included a number of cover shoots for our own Zoomer magazine. Right now, we'll hear the song many people think of when they hear the name Brian Adams. Here is Summer of 69. That was Brian Adams with Summer of 69. He's celebrating his 58th birthday this weekend. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. Produced by Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.